Five o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. We're going to look at some of the reasoning behind all that animosity and bloodshed that's gone on in the Middle East for a long time. That's really reared its ugly head in a, in a new way here in the last few hours. I want you to turn with me to Genesis and we're going to look at what I call the family feud. How all this began. What will be the resolution and what God is doing, how Jesus is really involved in revealing himself to those who would not believe, especially the Muslims uh, that's been going on here. Many have said that there's a Muslim revival going on uh, that we don't hear much about, but there's also a lot of uh, terrorist act going on out there as well too. We're going to look at a man named Abram who became Abraham, God's covenant with him and how that basically what we see between tens of millions of people all over the world, but especially centered in the Holy Land, uh, you know, the, the, the focal point, the target being the, the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and Hamas come out and said that's why we attack, because what's been going on there, they want a bigger political voice in, uh, you know, in the Holy Land. They don't want this deal going on between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And there's a lot of reasons that they, they jumped in there from a political standpoint, but it goes even deeper than that. It goes back to a family dispute. It goes back to one who received the covenant and one that did not, and that spite that exists today. It started with two half-brothers. It's amazing. The Bible always gives us a pretty clear, sometimes a very clear, interpretation of what we see going on in the world today. So if you'll turn with me to Genesis Chapter 15, we're going to look at God's covenant with Abram, who would become, we know him better as Abraham, or Father Abraham, and the mighty nations that he uh, is the father of. And we're going to see how God's covenant through Abraham exists even today for the Jews, but why the Hamas, where they be Hamas, you know, they, these terrorist groups repackage themselves. You know, we had Al-Qaeda and then they turned into, uh, you know, ISIS and uh, the Taliban. They, they're, they're basically all for the same things. They have some different political aspirations, but it's about Islam. It's about spreading Islam and setting up Islamic states. And, and it's what ISIS was. They tried to set up what's called a caliphate, which is a, a settlement or a country that is, goes back to the very, they call it the very pure the way the Quran was meant to be interpreted, and, and out of that, they say that you must kill Jews and Christians. You must, if they will not convert, then they, they must be killed. And that's why we're seeing some of what's going on today in Israel. The Palestinians, who are not Palestinians, they are, they are Muslim, Arabs from different nations, different tribes, that descended from Abraham through Ishmael, say that that's their land. God said through Abraham 4,000 plus years ago, this is my land. I'm going to covenant with you to establish a great nation, and I will bless those nations that bless this nation, which today we know is Israel, and I will curse those that curse those nations. And so we're going to look at some of that today and hopefully clear some of this up uh, as to what is going on and what the Bible says and what Christ is doing. We always go to Jesus and see his love and his mercy and the fact that he is on his way back. Verse 15, I'm sorry, chapter 15, 
uh, verse 1, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, you, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So we have a problem here. Abram, who's very rich, who has many flocks, probably came out of the old uh, Mesopotamian civilization uh, of Ur, going way back. Uh, there are the archaeological records of, the, of these people. God was going to take him from here and move him there and establish a great nation. Why would he do that? Because he was going to bring about, in a nutshell, he was going to bring about a savior for the world that had been cast into sin and war and disease and death and terrorism. Terrorism has always existed. We just see it in different ways manifested today. So, but Abram said, I don't have a child. I don't have an heir. That was a big deal back in those days. You had a firstborn son. He was the heir. He was going to carry on the family name. He was going to get a double portion or all of the estate. Uh, the name was going to be carried on, especially in more tribal times in the time of Abraham. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. The interest of that clan, the interest of that tribe would be carried on and hopefully would multiply. Then the word of the Lord in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 15, this man will not be your heir. He took him, uh, let me go back. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Now, you got to remember, Abraham's old and his wife, Sarah, she's old. And, you know, even though they lived longer back in those days, you know, childbearing age was, was limited. Uh, so, as always, God is saying, I have a greater plan. I have a greater plan. I will take impossibility and make it possible in my ultimate will and in my, in my desire and in my, uh, you know, in my purpose. I will make impossible possible. Uh, and that's what he's saying here. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens. This, I can only imagine how brilliant the stars in the sky must have been in the Middle East with no city lights, you know, just campfires around or whatever. And he said, look up at the heavens. And there were uncountable stars, very bright and some very dim, and even stars that could not be seen with the naked eye. He says, Look up at the heavens and count these stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. The father of many nations, both Hebrew, both Western, both uh, Islamic or Muslim or Arab, I should say at this point, and Eastern, all nations I will I will establish a great nation through you. It says in verse 6, and here's a key, Abram believed the Lord. He credited to him as righteousness. Here's that faith-pleasing God. He credited, this was his salvation. He credited it to him as being a righteous man. He also said to him in verse 7, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to take possession of it. It was the area of what was or uh, 
the, the land, Israel's a tiny little place. I mean, you look at Gaza, where all that war is coming out of, where they attack from, it's a tiny little strip right on the sea. You look at the West Bank, Israel's just a little sliver sandwiched in between, right in, the, right in the bullseye, the heart of the Muslim world. There they are. And the fact that they exist is a miracle. The fact that they exist is a divine miracle. And the fact that God is not done with them yet is a divine miracle, and there's much more to come, even through this warfare and this stuff that we hate to see come across the news wire. I'll give you this land to take possession of it. It was a much bigger place then. I mean, it went over into what's modern-day Iraq. It went all the way back over to Egypt. It went all the way kind of south toward the Arabian Peninsula. I mean, it was a huge place, and he said, this is the promised land. When we say promised land, it was this promise made to Abraham. It was the same promise that still stood when Joshua and Caleb looked upon it as spies. And it seemed impossible that it could be taken, but God said, it's yours. When they came back out of uh, you know, Egypt after having been brought from there to Egypt to slavery, but then set back, and even in 1948... In 1948, when it came back again, uh, the prophecy of Ezekiel was, was fulfilled. Can these bones live? Can the dry bones in the desert live? Look, Ezekiel. They began to live back in 1948. It's a divine miracle. Amen. And the epicenter of it, the most holy piece of ground and rocks and dirt in the, really to me in the universe, but definitely on earth, is that little hill. Zion's Hill, Jerusalem, where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is. And it's almost like it's, it's uh, a third for each major religion, you know, the, the Jews, uh, Judaism, and then the Christians and then the Muslims. But the Muslims claim most of it right now. That is what's being fought over. That's the most valuable real estate under heaven right there right now. That's where the temple will be rebuilt, and eventually the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will reign from there once he takes care of all these things, and we're seeing the beginnings again of that going on around us. Abram believed. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm going to give you this land. You're going to take possession of it. But he said, Abram, Abram said, Oh, Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of all this land? The Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought them, cut them all in two, arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. He made a sacrifice. Let's just sum it up. He made a sacrifice. There can be no pleasing God, no getting right with God without the shedding of blood. For us now, it's the shedding of blood of Jesus that makes us clean, that makes us right with God, the ultimate sacrifice. So, God had made a uh, promise to Abram who would become Abraham, that he would have an heir, an offspring that would come from his body. And it seemed very unlikely because of his age. Time began to pass. And even in a slower time where, where you know, they live by the, more of the seasons than we do now. You know, we live by a calendar and by a clock and all those things. They live by the seasons and the change of the season. He be, they began to get impatient. They began to get older, and it seemed like God wasn't going to come through. Him and Sarah, it, be it began to seem like God was not going to come through. You ever felt like that? 
God has made you a promise in his word. You know that promise. You believe that promise, but you're waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. He'll come through. The, these folks are a lesson for us today. And if we go down to chapter 16, verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. It had been promised to her through Abraham that she would bear. Okay? He didn't say when. He just said it would happen. God doesn't operate in time as much as we do. He's outside of time. He invades time to bring things about for his purpose to reward you, your, reward your faith. But see, we get impatient. Especially nowadays, we live in an ATM drive-through society where a touch of a button can get us our Amazon Prime in a day and a half or two days. Amen? Patience. Resilience. Sometimes long-suffering. Wondering where God is. But through that process, he shapes us. She got impatient and said, there's Hagar. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You see, she began to want to do things a way that wasn't God's way. And here we have the very beginnings of this family feud. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. I'm sure he got the pressure of the wife he put on him. A woman and her child is a very fierce thing, right? Or her hope soon-to-be child or her child is 40 years old, right? Amen. It's a great bond, a great relationship God has created there. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Here we have the family feud. It's the classic two women that can't get along. Did I go there? I did. Back up a little bit. It's the classic two women that can't get along. You got my baby. That's supposed to be my baby. Yeah, or, you know, you, you've got all the riches. They were different peoples from different tribes. You got to remember that, too. There was that racial ethnic thing going on there, too. The baby came... But it wasn't done like God wanted it to be done. This baby's name was Ishmael. Okay? Let's read on here because this soap opera gets a whole lot more thick here as we move on. Sarah said to Abram, poor old Abram, he had to be close to God to get through some of this stuff. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. He was caught in the old love triangle, wasn't he? Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarah, Hagar said. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be two numbers to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, here are the beginnings of the Arab nations. Islam, Muslims would come much later. I believe it's the way Satan intervened 
to further and make that family feud even more, but even worse. I'll put it, we'll put all this together here in a little bit. Follow me here. The angel said to Hagar, Abraham had slept with her baby Ishmael, was coming. You're now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Ishmael was going to be a tough dude to deal with, a desert nomad, if you will. An archer, it says, a hunter, a man who would be the father of a great nation of people we now know today as the Arab people. Pretty interesting stuff here. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. Is that not what we've seen for many, many decades now? Attacks on, now, the Arab people, they're, they're different ethnic groups different tribal, you know, ancestors and stuff like that, but the Arab people. Now, does God love the Arab people? Yes, he does. And we're going to see some of what I'm talking about here in just a moment. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. That's why you have the Shiites fighting the Shias. That's why you have the Taliban that wants to topple, that, that run us out of Afghanistan. That's why you had the Northern Alliance that in 2001 when we invaded Afghanistan was fighting the Taliban to the south. They're, they've always been against each other. There's tri it's still tribal. It's still tribal. I mean, you go, you go to any Muslim nation, Arab nation, it's a tribal thing. You, in, in Iraq, we won in Ramadi, finally, when we were in Iraq and the insurgency was so bad and our SEALs and our Marines had to go in there and fight for every street corner. We won that by uniting the tribes against those Muslim tribes that lived in that town of Ramadi to this day by uniting the Muslim tribes against Al-Qaeda, who was operating in Iraq at that time. They were really the ones with the leadership of our intelligence and the CIA and the surge under David Petraeus. They were really the ones that turned the tide and began to out and give intelligence about where these bomb makers were and the fellow they killed back in the early 2000s finally that was the mastermind of the insurgency. It's amazing. We see the Bible come to life today. This prophecy to Hagar through Ishmael has come through and has coming true. Still exists today. So she gave this name to the Lord, verse 13, who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well that they, were, they came to is called Be'er Laharoi is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Now I want to stop right there. Remember the promise that God had made. What happened there? Well, Sarah and Abraham took it upon themselves to expedite what God was doing a little bit. We, ever, we try to play God sometimes, don't we? We try to think, if we do this, and we move things forward and we're not patient and we put us in front of God and we can make a mess that lasts for generations. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? A lot of people do that now. And they can really hurt families and destroy families. Okay, this is what happened here. God had still made them a promise. So if we go over, turn with me, stay with me here. Let's see here if I can find my place. 
covenant, let's go to chapter 17, the covenant that God made with Abram. Uh, in verse 3 of chapter 17, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you, modern-day Israel that we read about today and hear about. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And that's the covenant of circumcision. Then we move over. The birth of Isaac, Genesis chapter 21. Remember that promise God made? So we have Ishmael. He would become the father of the Arab nations, among others. But then we have God's promise and how the covenant would progress down through the generations with this baby that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah. Verse 1 of chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah <clears throat> as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised although they had done a few things in the meantime to try to speed God up or maybe to show a little bit of unbelief and impatience. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. God, with the exclamation point here, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him. A covenant act as God commanded him Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him Sarah said God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me and she added who would have said to Abraham Sarah would nurse children God had made the impossible possible yet I have borne him a son in his old age so what happened was Ishmael was about 14 and Isaac the promise came, okay, and Ishmael and Isaac did not get along. As Isaac grew, Ishmael, we don't know. We can only speculate, but they, they, Ishmael hated him. It was a feud between half-brothers, you might say. He hated him. And, of course, we know Hagar had enmity towards Sarah because of all that those things that had been done that really were not God's way. And it says in verse 8, The child grew and was weaned, and on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. God's promise in the covenant was through Isaac because that was what God had promised. The other, uh, you know, I guess, uh, shoot of the family was out of unfaithfulness. But God has mercy and grace, and we'll see that here in a minute. Sarah saw that her son, whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham, was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and get Ishmael. Run them off. Throw them out. 
throw them out, and said to Abraham, get rid of them. For that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac, Hagar and Sarah, enmity. This started with just two or three people, a family feud. Their descendants that would become clans and would become tribes. Some would inherit Isaac's line, would inherit Canaan through Moses, through the Exodus, through, um, you know, Caleb and Joshua and on down the line. And in the background, you have Arabs that descended from Ishmael hating those who are given the promised land. Hating them. And you can look all down through the centuries of war and warfare in that area and see that. Technology has entered and made it a lot different and a lot more at stake. Listen to this. The matter upset Abraham. You can imagine it would have. Because he in some ways are, you know, responsible for this, greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. I want you to start following me right here. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, the Hebrews, the Israelis. I will make a son of the maidservant into a nation also, the Arabs, the Muslims, the Edomites, so many different nations, and today Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Islamic Jihad against the Hebrews. That's where it all began. Early the next morning, in verse 14, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then run her off, sent her off with a boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. To this day, there are Arab Bedouin tribes that wandered the deserts. I read when all that started escalating yesterday that there were Bedouin villages that Hamas had infiltrated and took over. I still think they have a couple in the, on the very border of Gaza and Israel, southern Israel, this very morning. They were wandering through the desert, and they began to get thirsty. The boy began to get faint, it says. I cannot watch the boy die, and as she sat there nearby, she began to cry. A woman that kind of you kind of feel sorry for in a way, don't you? I mean, what happened to her, and she got ran off, and what was Abraham's and Isaac's is not hers anymore. But God is sovereign, but we're going to see God's mercy and grace here. And I'm going to show you some of what's going on in the Muslim world today. Not all Muslims are Arab, not all Arabs are Muslims. We need to be careful with that. However, Jesus is graceful and merciful. When the water, um, let's go to verse 17, God heard the boy cry. It's just kind of spoke to me as I read this. God heard the boy crying. You see, there are Muslims in ISIS, in Islamic Jihad, in Hezbollah, and Hezbollah, and all these groups that we hear about who are seeking. Their path is through Allah. I had a conversation with a girl at work the other day. We got talking about Jesus, and I said, is there any other way to heaven except through faith in Christ? And she said, yeah, Allah. I said, mm, no. I said, the Quran says that Allah had no son. 
So she said, all right, preacher, and started laughing, you know, that kind of thing. People need to know. That's, that's, there's so much non-wisdom out there anymore. But anyway, she's a good girl. I'm working on her. Pray for her. God heard the boy cry. God is hearing the cry of many of these people who we think are on the wrong side, and they are. Many of them would do away with me and you as quickly as possible if they had the opportunity. But God is merciful. Listen to this. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter? Hagar, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. The father of the Arab nations. You know that there were 12 original Arab tribes? And then we have the 12 tribes that came through Isaac of Israel. That's how Satan can cause enmity in a family feud if we're not careful. Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. A well of water. You see, God was having mercy and, uh, and grace. I believe this is a foreshadowing of what would happen among some of the Arabs and some of the Muslim nations, some of the worst Judeo-Christian haters that ever lived who have killed many. They're being led to water, not just some desert water, not, not the water that Allah can provide because there is no Allah. There's only God, Yahweh, who sent Jesus, who had a son. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the New Bridge.